when you finally get the mic in your hand and the freedom to say whatever you want to say, after many years of being silenced, misunderstood, misrepresented, when you finally get the mic in your hand and you can say whatever you want to, to whomever you want, the first instinct might be to yell. There's an urgency in your message because you feel as though the mic, the stage, the light may be taken away from you at any time. So as you start to tell your story, as you start to create the trail of artifacts that future generations will use to piece together your story, you start with the broadest strokes imaginable. You make it larger than life, bright enough to be seen from space. So we're gonna be talking about voices that have shaped a unique slice of American culture. How the voice of the creators and beacons of culture has evolved. And the central node in this musical mind map is Dana Elaine Owens, born March 18th, 1970. You might know her as Queen Latifah. What are the ways that the story of a group of people sharing an, uh, an experience over time can be preserved and shared? It can be through the legends that are encoded in a collective memory, told and retold from one generation to the next. It can be assembled in retrospect from the artifacts of daily life that were left behind. The things we owned can say so much about how we lived or it can be done with clear intention, with purpose through art, literature, and music that emerges to be representative of time, place, and people. The advent of the moving image in the early 20th century transformed the drama that has existed in plays on stages for centuries into living documents that not only transmitted the ancient stories, that we've always told, but also created a new vocabulary with emotional range to color those stories with intention and purpose. Movies were magic, but in the early days of cinema, only a narrow range of voices and stories were prominent. One pioneering exception was the voice of the filmmaker Oscar Michaud. He has been described by some as the first indie movie producer. He worked outside of the studio system by necessity as a black man in the 1920s. So he released 23 films in the 1920s alone. Michelle's films dealt with various aspects of contemporary black life and discussed racial injustice. He sought to counter the stereotypes in the way that black people were portrayed in movies by white filmmakers at the time. Well, there were a few filmmakers, a few other black filmmakers active at the time, sharing aspects of black life in America during the 30s and 40s. Uh, you had Frank Perugini and Spencer Williams. Spencer Williams played Andy in the minstrelly television version of the, uh, the Amos and Andy show. Um, it was really music that was the most potent cultural touchpoint of black culture at the time. And it was duly absorbed and translated into popular culture during the swing at, during the swing era. And again, during the early rock and roll period, as we've talked about a bunch on this podcast, perhaps because of the emergence of television or maybe because of the start of the civil rights movement and its perceived ties with communism in the McCarthy era, when there were lots of folks being blacklisted, who knows, but for some reason, between 1947 and 1969, the black voice in cinema, to the degree that it existed, fell almost exclusively under the direction of white filmmakers uh, until Gordon Parks released his autobiographical film, The Learning Tree, in 1969. But going into the 1970s, that was a heyday for black cinema. 
And these movies were driven by a sound that was larger than life. Soul and funk were at the center of these movies, and the most celebrated musicians of the time created some of their most iconic work in service of these films. Curtis Mayfield, Bobby Womack, Isaac Hayes, Barry White, Marvin Gaye, James Brown. In some cases, the soundtracks of these films outlived or outperformed the, the films themselves, but it was an era of storytelling that, that presented morality plays that worked with the same set of same set of characters often. You had the hustler, the, the player, the pusher, the junkie, the pimp, the vigilante, the prostitute. So one valid critique of many of the films of the time would be that they glamorized violence, misogyny, and they justified crime, and that they were exploiting and perpetrating unhealthy stereotypes, hence the name black exploitation. But when examined more closely, there were often subtle political messages about liberation and empowerment. The films dripped with the language and aesthetic of the black power movement that emerged in the echo of the civil rights movement of the 1950s and 60s. So to have been born in 1970 like Queen Latifah was, is to have been born into a world where the cultural collective consciousness of the black experience in America was being encoded and transmitted into characters on the big screen and the small screen in a way that was bolder than any point in history. The archetypes presented in black cinema of the 1970s would become the personas adopted by rappers in the 1980s when hip-hop evolved from being primarily just music for dancing and partying to becoming more lyrically sophisticated and more driven by story and social commentary. So when you shift a song, when you shift the intention of a song from being something to dance to, to being something that is more lyrical or contemplative, one thing that tends to happen is you might want to slow things down a bit. So from a technological standpoint, here's one way that they made that happen. So the Technique's SL-1200 turntable was originally released in 1972, and it became a staple in hip-hop for DJs and producers. One of the key features was pitch control, which helped to facilitate beat matching of tracks of different tempos. And from a production standpoint, you could slow down or speed up a potential song, a potential sample right on the deck. And you can bring the tempo of the track into your desired performance range. Now, another way to adjust the tempo or slow things down is just to take a 45, you know, 45 is the little vinyl records that's slightly larger than a CD. They are typically what you would have found in a, in a jukebox back in the day. So 45, 45 stands for 45 revolutions per minute or RPM. So if you take a 45 and play it back at the speed that you would normally play a full-size record, which is 33 RPM, it's automatically going to slow it down. And that change in tempo translates the typical funk tempo in the 100s, in the low 100s BPM, down to the tempo of hip-hop of the early 90s, when you saw the shift in the style of the music really start to take hold. And there was one producer who used a sampling technique with 45 records so successfully that he crowned himself king of the technique, Mark. The 45 King. So Mark, the 45 King, he was the producer and DJ and original sonic architect of the Flavor Unit. His big break came when the fellow Flavor Unit member Queen Latifah signed with Tommy Boy and released All Held the Queen. Mark did a bunch of the a big chunk of the that highly acclaimed work and it really put him on the map. Um, as a sought-after music producer. Unfortunately, drug addiction derailed Mark the 45 King's career in the early 1990s, 
And since then, the flavor unit has been under the direction of the queen, Queen Latifah and Shaquem Kampir. Uh, 30 years later, Flavor Unit has evolved into, evolved into an entertainment company producing feature films and television. But Mark, Mark made his bounce back. Probably his most well-known work is this one. So Queen Latifah's voice represented the sound of Flavor Unit, and it was an important part of the sonic landscape at the time. But what is most important and most significant, I think, about Queen Latifah was the message in her music. Similar to the way that Oscar Michaud challenged the portrayal of black people in early American cinema, Queen Latifah provided a sharp counterpoint to the violence and misogyny that was pervasive in the so-called gangster rap of the time when she came out. Her music was filled with messages of empowerment for women, unity and pride in the African cultures that black people descended from. So she was not alone in her efforts to add nuance to the emerging cultural narrative that was being advanced by hip hop. She was a part of a community called the Native Tongues that included groundbreaking artists such as the Jungle Brothers, De La Soul, Tribe Called Quest. So the music that they were creating and the conversations that they were having, today we would call it woke, but back then they just called it conscious. Despite the commercial success of artists such as Run DMC, um, and emer the emerging phenomenon of gangster rap, hip-hop was still regarded as a fad by many when uh, Queen Latifah came onto the scene. So music alone could not completely tell the story of the times. We needed, we needed TV. We needed movies. We needed stories presented from a unique perspective that could serve as additional touch points. Yes, Dean, Big Brother Almighty. How tall are you? Five feet? Five inches. Yeah, you're a five foot, five inch piece of shit. Yes, Dean Big Brother Almighty. I don't even know why you pledged. This is not for you. Spike Lee was born on March 20th, 1957. So to be born in 1957 is to come of age in the 1970s. And to be um, old enough to bear witness to that cultural moment and be ready to add your strokes to that canvas by the mid-1980s. So Spike Lee is a very prolific filmmaker and he has dozens of movies to his credit. If we focus just on um if we focus on his early work looking at the movies that he created in the late 1980s through the early 1990s concurrent with the emergence of hip hop as a cultural force, we can see similarities in the themes that were present in the black cinema of the 70s. But the stories that he tells are told through characters and relationships among characters that felt more real and more human, less like the caricatures that were present in the 70s. His work delved into color and race and class in ways that were not possible with music alone, but much like the black cinema of the 1970s, music played a huge role in his storytelling particularly the revolutionary sounds in Do the Right Thing and the delicious jazz in Mo Better Blues. His movies convey some of the same sentiments that were present in other movies and in the music of the time, getting over on the man, fight the power, fuck the police, etc. But while those things were being communicated, all that's going on, people are falling in love, families are falling apart and coming back together, Friends are betraying each other, and life lessons are being learned. So there's an intersection between Queen Latifah and Spike Lee in Jungle Fever, his 1991 film about interracial relationships. Damn it! Excuse me, miss. Miss. May we order, please? Yes, may I take your order? Is this your station? Yes, this is my station. Unfortunately. Look, you can take my order. Matter of fact, you could have taken my order 30 minutes ago when I sat my black ass in can this I chair. Take your order. Excuse me. 
Uh, do you have a problem? Yes, I do have a problem, to be honest with you. Fake, tired brothers like you coming in here, that's so typical. I can't even believe you brought her stringy hair ass up here to eat. Oh, let me tell you something. First of all, Miss Al Sharpton, don't you, you don't have, it's your, not your business who I bring in here. Somewhere else, okay? It's not your business. You are a waitress. Your job is to wait. Today's specials are the Maryland crab cakes, Creole shrimp gumbo, and blackened catfish. I suggest you have the blackened catfish. Well, I suggest you find the manager. From the late 80s through the late 90s, there was a, the creation of a collection of cultural touch points that are personally significant to me because they coincide with my coming of age. But I also believe they will go down as historically significant because they were created in the last decade before the Internet arrived and changed the way that stories are being spread. So let me take you through the first little section of this time period, framed roughly around the presidency of George Bush, the first uh, senior, the, the elder. Um, here's a few touch points. You had the Berlin Wall fell, signaling the end of the Soviet Union, the end of this, the Cold War as we knew it. Um, you had... The Ronnie King incident, followed by the L.A. riots where 63 people died. You had the first war that was televised and that showed live real-time footage of bombs being dropped. You had the release of Nelson Mandela and the end of a coming, the ending of apartheid in South Africa. So it's difficult to really pinpoint the tenor of a moment in history where so many momentous changes happened and and until I started looking back and researching this I forgot how many things were going on in the world at that time some of those changes were at least being tangentially or subconsciously reflected in the music movies and television happening at the time um let's see so if I personally go back to 1988, I was really captivated by a different world. Uh, a television show set on a fictitious, historically black college campus, mostly because I had a crush on Denise. But, you know, they also had like Whitley Gilbert, who was played by Jasmine Guy. She was hot. She was annoying on the show, though. She was also in School Days, Spike Lee joint, 1988. She played Dina. Um School Days was also set on a fictitious black college campus. That movie discussed colorism, the stigma around black hair, South African apartheid, and it introduced a lot of people to black Greek life, you know, the fraternity life on black campuses. Ladies and gentlemen, introducing the first of all black Greeks, the men of distinction, the brothers of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity Incorporated. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne was in that film. He, this was, you know, a, almost a decade before The Matrix. He was Dap Dunlap in school days. Lawrence Fishburne also would show up in the um, classic Boys in the Hood. Um, that movie showed us that Ice Cube was more than a gangster rapper. But anyway, school days. Tisha Campbell was also in school days. You know Tisha Campbell. Gina from Martin. You know, damn Gina. Damn it, Gina. Now I'm mad. You don't get it, dude. This is childish, Gina. That's all right. You're going to leave, leave, right? I'm a man, Gina. I'm a B.I. Right. This is childish. I want you out. I don't even know why you're still here. Step. Stop! <laughs> Speaking of Martin, Martin, uh, Martin Lawrence, he was in Do the Right Thing, Spike Lee joint from 1989, as was Rosie Perez. The dance scene at the beginning of um, Do the Right Thing, it documents like every popular dance move of the day. And it kind of set the tone for the way that people would move through the rest of that sort of New Jack era of music in the early 90s. Rosie Perez, um, 
She ended up being the choreographer for the Fly Girls on In Living Color TV show that came out in 1990. Groundbreaking show. It brought you Jamie Foxx, Jim Carrey, J-Lo. So Cardi B and Bruno Mars just did an homage to In Living Color in their video for Finesse. 1990, let's see, that was, so Living Color came out in 1990. Also in 1990, Mobetta Blues, another Spike Lee joint. That's Denzel, Wesley Snipe, and Jazz. And jazz hop. So at this point, hip hop, especially um, the sounds that were coming out of collectives like the Native Tongues, it was referencing jazz in a lot of the work. Um, in addition to the standard soul and funk, um, but it started to the conversation started to turn in the other direction, and jazz artists were beginning to try to work out how to add the rawness and edge of hip hop into the music that they created. Bradford Marcellus was really pioneering in that work, as was Guru from Gangstar. Um, so 1990, 1991, Wesley Snipes and Spike Lee connected again. That was Jungle Fever came out that year. That was uh, Queen Latifah's film debut. Also the film debut of Holly Berry. And Samuel Jackson, uh, Samuel L. Jackson was Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> oh, I like her. Mm. Uh, look here, baby, bro. Uh, I'm a little light right now. Could you, like, let me hold some change? Mm. No. No, Gator, no, 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 no. The dancing shit ain't gonna work. I ain't giving you a red cent. What? Come on, you could do me this one solid. What? Would you rather I go out and rob some elderly person? Steal? Well, either way, I'm gonna get high. I really hate having to resort to knocking elderly people in the head for their money. But I'll do it. I'll do it. You know I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. You know I'll do it. I like getting high. Uh, I'm a crackhead. 1992, everywhere you looked, you saw people wearing X hats. Denzel played Malcolm. Angela Bassett played Betty and Spike Lee's tour de force, Malcolm X. I guess that's the end of the Bush era, and then 93 rolled around. We got Queen Latifah. All right, so we back, back, back at it like a, uh, we back at it, Dagnabbit. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't no crack addict. I was gonna say back at it like a crack addict, but I'm not. I'm not gonna go there. We back at it though. But even so, if you had said that, I mean, you know, you just you just saying that you know you at it like they at it, but you ain't saying you at it. So, I don't know. You know is crack you... is is crack big right now? Still, is crack still big? No, it's not really. It's that happening. Big. It, it's happening, and um, you know, it's happening just because it is what it is. But um, no, nah, uh, uh-uh. um, what's I big like, is like what? Yeah, I feel like every all of the. I feel like everybody's going in the other direction in terms of the effects that they're seeking from drugs. It feels like it's a down period for stimulants and a Disagree. more. It's the, okay. Elaborate. All it is. Okay, so there's just different periods where different things are happening, and like, um, let, let's start where we let's go to where we started at crack. So that was just basically a new thing, a new idea. It was like, what? A Baconator? You mean to tell me we've been having bacon cheeseburgers this long, but now we have a Baconator? It was some shit like that. So, you know, it's done its thing. It's ran its course. So bacon, you notice, you heard that they putting bacon on Big Macs now? They, They putting bacon on all of the, like, marquee burgers at mcdonald's now because bacon is the shit it goes with everything <laughs> period 
I, okay, I buy so, pre-made bacon already just so I don't have to make it. And I just add it to everything. It's bacon. It's like Frank's Red Hot. Put That's that it. shit on everything. Everything. So, all right. So, Shout crack out was to like Frank's the Red bacon. Hot. You, need to, you owe us because we just said your name twice. All right. Keep going. So, <laughs> so crack was the, 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 the baconator of Coke. Right. And it was just the, the newest, latest. My my encounter, my most prolonged encounter with a crackhead, I got two crack. I'm not even going to say crackhead. I'm going to just say a person who used to smoke crack. Um, right. There was a gentleman who I was doing construction and on some like, we were on some like um, re- renovation type stuff. And uh, he would just go and smoke crack in a porta potty. Like on breaks, yeah. yeah. And uh, I mean, he was good as long as he could like peel yeah, as long off. As you and... didn't stop that. <laughs> yeah, as long as you didn't yeah, stop and... the wave, he was all right. Yeah. So that that's like, but it made me think about like where I was at in my life, where I was, I was in a place in my life where I was working along someone who was just like smoking crack on break. And I was like, well, maybe I need to look at my choices and who I'm around and where I'm at in my life. Now I hear you, but I can't say that that's always what that means. That just means that he slipped through the cracks and was able to, uh, you know, um, grab a goddamn job. Well, that's the thing. Just enough. To hold on to that and do that. Well, here's the thing, though. It was some, like, day labor type shit. So he was hanging on. To say hanging on to the job, a job is maybe a little bit of a stretch. Because, you know, you got to show up every day. Right. Um, it's not like you it, you were guaranteed. It was a gig that you had. It was like you show up and you get sent. But right. the drug dealer would be there at the end of the day because, you know. He had he had customers. He this guy wasn't the only one. He was the only one that I saw like actually using it on the work site. Um, I dig it, and I've been in places that wasn't like that, but had the same shit popping off. And it just <laughs> is what it is, yo. You just don't know until you know. And like the dude I was working with, he was fucking. So okay. So he he would get like the dude would know his supplier always knew when he got his money, right? And at that same thing, he always knew that he was straight when he got his money. So the dude would keep doing what he did. But the problem was the dude. He couldn't handle that shit. So it fuck around and had it to a point where the guy would just, you know, um, he get his paycheck. So you already know he's not coming in the next day. He got his paycheck. So right. you already know the day after the, the day after his paycheck, when he doesn't show up and he does show up, you're going to have to find him somewhere sleeping. Right. He it was, was coming like, down. Yeah. Well, see, I guess that's the advantage of the getting it every day because you couldn't like get enough to really, you know, do too much. He's, you know, he had to get it every day. Right. Um, And and I guess really it's just the stigma around crack specifically. I know that that I think it it still has kind of a low class connotation. If someone was doing blow at work, I mean, Wall Street, they do blow. And let me go ahead and say they probably do crack at Wall Street too. Let's just keep it 100. Um, Yeah, maybe they just, they just, it was they was just freebasing like Richard Pryor. Yeah, right, um, right, right. But um, so back at it like a crack at it. Um, that like means we serious back about at it. This shit. No, <laughs> back at it. Back at it like it was some crack, and I had it. Um. <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I yeah. I feel like that's just, definitely a, a a twist on it. That's a more uh, more uh, you know uh, money maker aspect of it. Like you, the dealer on this one. 
Right. Yeah, because you got to get that work off. Yeah. Right. It's it's easy to score, but it's hard That's to get the work say. off. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wonder how many people actually figure that shit out, yo. I don't think too many do. They just get they just go out there and be like, yo, I'm gonna do this. And then they get in there and they're like, fuck. I got to do this? I really got yeah. to do this? Yeah. Yeah. You gotta do it. You gotta do it. Um I think there was a joke in our in the last episode about um how funny it would be if the segment that we were referring to didn't go up with the episode. Um, <laughs> and um, that didn't happen, but I'm still working on it. I'm just, and, and so, I mean, not in a bad way. I'm like really into it because it's so dope. Like the connections are wild. Um, right. And I'm, I'm really putting a lot into it and I'm, I'm loving it. I'm loving it. I did kind of procrastinate on it a little bit. I tried to wait till like Sunday. I was like, okay, I need a little bit of headspace. I had a gig Saturday night. Um, I had a teaching gig during the day. I, I had an event that I videoed on Saturday night. And then it was a short day. Let's talk about that clock moving shit. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it was like... um, well, 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 hold up. First of all, we gotta appreciate the fact that um uh not not to say specifically but to generalize uh let, let's let's just send a shout out to all the east coast motherfuckers that's living by this farmland lifestyle that don't fucking exist for us east coast motherfuckers just saying right right that's what right. it's all about you know originally they um the first time they well one of the early occasions of daylight savings time was by the Germans during the war where they were like, we want to save energy. So we're going to move the clocks to and shift everyone's sleeping schedule so that we would have more time during the day. So we wouldn't have to burn like fuel at night during the war. Well, well that sounds good and it's legit. Right. But, but why keep the question, doing it? Right. So not only why keep doing it, but now that you bring that up, did we steal that from them? Were we doing something before them? Um, and if not, um, why the fuck? Let's go back to why the fuck we still doing it? Why? Arizona does not do it. And that's a random ass state. But they don't do it. And if anyone right. was going to farm, it'd be motherfuckers in Arizona. But it's not. Well, well, Arizona's kind of desert. They don't grow too much. But the point being, eh. that's, a, right. that's a good point. Um. Yeah, they yeah they don't do like also for the longest time they they're pretty independent state like they didn't celebrate MLK Day for a while either they just do whatever they, like whatever they want to do so I appreciate them for not doing moving the clocks I live there that's where I was at when I was with the crack smoker to call that back um, okay and it, it was lovely it was like everything moved around you. So half the time we were on West Coast time and half the coast we were on mountain time or some shit like that. Right. Um, and, you know, it's cool. Uh, but man, Sunday, I had all kinds of like aspirations and dreams. And um, it's like, yeah, I'm going to just try to sleep it off and and then I'm going get, to get down and just do it. And then all I could do Sunday morning, I woke up, I was like, Ah, my aching head. <laughs> it's like, so you know, it's like it. the day just, I. it was like the day just slipped. It felt like the day slipped away from me. Um, And I was working till 10 o'clock at night. So I had, I'd had a pretty long day, pretty strenuous day. And so when I got back um, and then I couldn't go right to sleep, you know, you got to wind down. You got to, you right. know. So, by the time I went to sleep, it was like one. And that means it was like three. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. And, and I woke up at the time I normally wake up according to the clock. But I just couldn't get I couldn't get my head together. Um, so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to have to let this ride. Yo. I, I can't 
I can't do nothing with this right now. So that was that. And then Monday rolled around and I was in the mix, yo. <laughs> so I hear you. But but I but once I started working on it, I was like, man, this is so dope. And um it's cool. I, I'm excited about it. And the good news is, especially for the week that I'm talking about, all the birthdays, like 75% of the birthdays are Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It was just a couple okay. in the early part of the week. So I feel good about it. Um, yeah. But I don't even know what to say about next week's because uh, I haven't even looked up the birthdays yet. But, you know, it, 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 it I, I need to comment on a, a message that just popped up on my phone. Uh, rough segue, but check it out. So this is it's this dude here. He's a, a rapper and he hosts um, an open mic and. He works for the T, uh, the Real News Network. He's like a cool dude named Easy, um, named Easy, and um, so I follow him on on the gram. Which shout out to everybody who survived the gram blackout that everybody was freaking out about. I slept through that, um, but he recommended <laughs> I he recommended that I follow someone, and you know just off the strength of I know this dude. He said, "Hey, follow this person." You know, I said, "All right, I'll check him out." Turns out. She's a, she's a stripper, right? So I was like, okay. I mean, you know, I don't have a lot of thirst traps in my timeline, but I said I can maybe afford one. Um, And uh, I'm enjoying following her. I feel she's, I like the way she's doing what she do. She, she doing her thing. She be filming from the club and then she got a joint in her room. And um, I guess she making money, like you know. All right, so it's people business. like it's business. She doing she she doing business, and I'm, I ain't mad at her. But I just got a DM from her, um, and like you know, so I'm I'll, I'll talk about that later. Uh, okay, <laughs> I'm yeah. gonna see what's going on. I, I'll I, um, I'll slide you um. I'll slide. We'll, I'll, I'll send you some stuff, and you can talk to me what you think. Um, yeah. But uh, daylight saving time. Where are we at? I need to turn my notifications off while we're doing this because I got the phone in and it popped up. And you know, yeah. Hey, keep <sighs> keeping it virtual. <laughs> oh man. Okay. Um. So yeah, that I'm, I'm excited about. This product, man, I'm, I'm really excited about getting back into it, and I feel like um, it, it it kind of re when I started researching it helped me rediscover music that I enjoyed, and I okay. see like the influence, um, like the influence of Houston, like hip hop from Houston in the late '90s, early 2000s, in what's going on now, um, just like. It was, I mean, they're, they're all that stuff. It just holds up. It, it knocks just like anything that you hear now. And I hear a lot of the flows being kind of repurposed now. Um, in a lot of ways, they were doing a lot of stuff that was kind of ahead of its time in, in the sense that um, it was just like, oh, that's that Houston shit. Now it's just that shit that's everywhere. You dig? So right. there's a lot of elements in, in in what they were doing there that I like. Yeah, this is, I, yeah, I remember like bumping this, and I I can I could really feel it. So, and and it was you know just the whole like all the mixtape stuff mainly. Once it kind of got big, it did what it often does. You know, it kind of waters down a little bit. And the artist that there's stuff that makes it big that everyone hears on the radio and stuff. It ain't touching the stuff that was on the mixtapes beforehand. You dig, right? So, so those old Paul Wall and Chameleonaire mixtapes before they released their commercial stuff, in fuego. <laughs> I believe. I believe. Um, because I I kind of underrated Chameleonaire because I wasn't really super fond of his commercial stuff, but on the mixtapes. <laughs> but see, and and that's the thing. Um, 
the commercial stuff has a title. It's called commercial stuff, you know? So there's that. But then there's the mixtape. And the mixtape is generally what's going to start a motherfucker fucking with you. You know what I mean? That's what they're going to the shows to see. Um, That's why they check in for you. That's where you fuck around and, and create yourself and create who you are and let everybody know who you are. When you get to the point where you're, um, you know, um, worried about pop and um, commercial and stuff like that, you you're out of the you you're not even talk. That's a different game altogether. That's that's not the mixtape game anymore. That's just, um, you know, that's the world at that point. But um. Yeah, that's that's why I like to, you know, wade in the waters of the mixtape. Because you can really see what you're getting. You can see who you're getting. You can see who deserves it. You can see who's working. You can see all of that. So, yeah, the mixtape is is definitely um, still what it is that it is. And definitely is um, a key to direction of where everything wants to go going back so when you when you're talking about going back on mixtapes that far specifically they were they tended to be um physical media of some sort you know that that was kind of distributed hand to hand and burned and circulated in a kind of um organic way you know yeah. Um, and with that, it was definitely bootleg liquor on a Sunday night. Yeah, and I think with that, it also made it so that you could keep or it, it kept a lot of the local sound and flavor with it. I feel like now, one thing, like the internet has made distribution infinitely more broad and easier of, of the music. But at the same time, I think like I think there's a lot more cross pollination so that, you know, you just got people who be making beats from anywhere. So they they just sounds like beats that got made. They don't sound like they came from anywhere specific, you know. Um, now, that's the only thing that's true. But. What you can't hide from whatever that is is the quality of the beat. Like, anybody can fuck around and be like, yo, I make beats, here you go. But, I mean, it just opens the oppor- it opens the door to the, to the, to more, um, handcrafted, actual artisan packages of sounds. Um, yeah, yeah. Quality wise, I, I think that quality, quality is always quality, um, and I think that everyone benefits from the exposure to all of those ideas and things that they can build with. That's definitely true, and I think overall, there there's like this really sharp learning curve that's available to people when they can kind of get in the, get in the game and really absorb and learn very quickly from everything that's out there. Um, so I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to go down that road of like, it was better before. I guess what I'm trying to say is that everything, the, the, it was more specific before. I feel like just from a a sonic standpoint, things from a certain place kind of felt like that place. Now the thing that makes the place sound like the place is whoever's rapping on it. So they'll be talking about, or they'll sound like they're from somewhere, or they'll be referring to places in what they say. But the music itself, it, it feels like it, it, it comes from a different universe of sonic options, which, that's like you said, um, so that's so that's that's a little bit of a, a different thing. Um, that is a new angle on sort of what the mix mixtape um brings 
Well, what it also does is it also lets you know once again um, what's popping. So, like, um, you could have somebody from, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, I don't know, West Scotland or whatever, make a beat or something, and they can make that shit, and it could sound like, you know, um, Queensbridge, New York, you right. know? Right, right. And And that's cool. That just lets you know that that's where the influence comes from. It's still thriving. It's still something out there to be reckoned with. It's still um, splashing, and it is still an effective um, um, tangent in today's music, and uh, so yeah. on and so forth for various other areas as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely wouldn't. I, I definitely wouldn't want to go back because I think that there's so much talent out there. That would have an opp- that has an opportunity to be heard that it wouldn't have been necessarily possible before when the industry was so like centered in certain places like you know yeah you had to go through these major cities or you know going the label route you know you ended up going through that system uh, now anybody from anywhere can pop. And uh, the tools are there, so, so yeah. But I, I, I so much enjoy just going through, like listening to stuff that that has held up or stuff that was almost somewhat. I feel like um, sonically prophetic in terms of what music sounds like now, because um, you know some stuff you listen to and it sounds old, you know. Um, yeah. But things, but th- there's some things that I listened to before that I didn't like as much before as I do now after having more context for it, you know? Sometimes okay, it so. took, it took, it took rappers. Sometimes it took people. It, sometimes it takes the artists to catch up to where the producer is trying to go to make songs that work. You know what I'm saying? Um, and vice versa. You know, it kind of works both ways, but yeah, you were about to say, so, if I hated it ever, I still hate it today. Still. I still hate it today. There's there's nothing changing that. Look, your shit was was ass when it came out. It's still ass now. And I just well, need you know something with aloe vera on the goddamn uh, Kleenex or the tissue so that I don't damage my asshole when I wipe this shit away garbage well but i guess i i guess the point the point is uh, there are a lot of things saying i didn't like it maybe isn't the right way more i didn't pay attention to it like i didn't give okay. it the it didn't catch my attention um okay i wasn't really looking that direction so it, there was something there was some sort of mix match or like just maybe it was just some whack dude on it so i just didn't want to pay attention um I, it just turned me off. The person's voice might have turned me off, and I just didn't listen. Or no, but it, see yeah. that that's that's more so. Um, I feel like um, that's a failure of the track, and not so much um, the indiv- individuals that put it together. Um, it's a failure, I guess, on the producer at that point for allowing mm-hmm. it to come together. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because there's the, yeah, there's a, things that are going to sound good, and there are things that are not going to sound good. Whether you get them or not, that's a totally different thing. Because I can differentiate between um, a track being decent, a verse being decent, and a song being a good song. A song being a song in general. How about that? Yeah. So. Yeah. I I think that. The, the good news is the um, yeah, there's always like good ideas and poor execution. So like you and I think that's the what happens in a lot of those cases. Oh, it's a good idea. It just was poorly executed or it was like a mediocre idea and it's executed perfectly and it works, you know. Um, but anywhere in between, it, it just I don't necessarily have the patience for it, I guess. Um and the great news is, 
it ain't going nowhere. You dig? True. <laughs> it ain't going nowhere. Um, there is because there's always so much new stuff coming out. There, it, sometimes it feels like there's an urgency to kind of get to whatever is new, and it's fun to do that. But whenever you get to it, it's still going to be there. Right. Um, and there's everybody ain't heard it. You dig? Like there's stuff that might have slipped through the cracks, and it might it might not be brand new. It just slipped through the cracks. It was B side somewhere, or it was a a poor mix of it. Somebody comes out, does a remix, the same song or whatever, and it's hot. That's what remixes are yeah. for. You dig to make the original hot. Uh, or sometimes uh, the person's voice hasn't been out there yet, so maybe hearing that, hearing their voice, their voice on a particular track. As the first time you hear him, doesn't work. But then when you get like you start to understand what's going on, you go back to it and you hear it differently. Um, now that said, let's not let's not forget about the part where your voice is on the track. It's just your voice has changed because you have changed, and now your voice sounds shitty on the track. That's a real thing, and and I just wanted to bring that up for those of us that that don't figure that shit out. Yeah. That shit changes, and it, it can fuck up a song. I've heard a, a lot of people um, create songs that once I would have said, okay. And now I'm thinking, no way. Just, um, you know, find something else to do with that shitty-ass voice that you've decided to uh, end up with, and, um, you know, <laughs> get that motherfucker off track. Thank you. Thank you. I had to say that. Okay, I I could dig it. I could dig it. Yeah, I I've, I've been trying to think. Oh, who's? Oh, um, turn your turn your notifications off. You trying to record a podcast, dude? What, what you doing? Um. <laughs> um. So yeah. Yeah, I, I've I've come to. So there's there's a lot of things that where you know novelty kind of drives the industry. Like that new thing that's coming out is sort of what gets all of the the push and the stuff like that. But you know, everyone is free to listen at their and enjoy their own pace. Just like with movies, a new movie comes out, you want to check it out, mostly because you don't want people to maybe spoil it for you or tell you something about it before that you see said, it. I'm gonna check it out because I want to spoil it for you before you see it. I want to tell you, but I want to fuck up. Everything you thought you was gonna plan around this shit, look, you need to plan different, bro. I'm here to All fuck right, so that shit up. So let's fuck up Captain Marvel real quick. Let's do it. All right, Captain Marvel, superhero, Marvel. It's a girl. Okay. Okay. So let's go into the uh, MCU Marvel Universe. And the shit lines up with all of the other films and stuff. It's just, where does it sit? All right, so I feel like this one sits, like, before and or right around Galaxies. Well, no, was it Guardians? Galaxy Guardians? Guardians of the Galaxy? There you go. Bam. Right around there. And let's go with the uh, first one. Um, You know, when he does his thing and he first comes in contact or the team with the Infinity Gem, whatever, whatever. They kill off that one dude, blam, blam, whatever. This one kind of introduces itself or inter- interjects itself right before there, I feel. Uh, in the spirit of uh, Marvel movies, it's a great comic film for you to go watch. People are going to love it. Women be inspired, inspired, girls be inspired that, you know, you can be this great uh, person. And, and and let me break it, bring it back a little bit. Throughout the entirety of this particular film, I felt like there was a um, subtle uh, focus on the achievements and acolytes that women can achieve in the world. It's real. It's true. You guys can do these things. So, um... Kudos to the film for that. And um, anyone out there, any female out there doing some things that, you know, um, are normally, uh, you know, focused towards the male perspective and you're achieving and excelling in it. Kudos, yo. Keep that shit up. More power to you. Be great. Little kids that see this shit, 
be great. It's there for you. It's motivating. It's cool. Um, back to the film. It was good, and um, I recommend it for anyone who likes the uh, Marvel genre, and um, you know, um, likes a film that actually fits in with whatever else the other films are doing. So that was cool, and I like the uh, cohesiveness of it. Also, liked at the beginning, they have a specific thing that they do where they kind of flip through like Marvel comics and all this and that just for their intro. With this one, they uh, flip through a lot of different cameos and stuff that involve Stan Lee. And um, I thought that was big, and I thought that was well done. It was a, it was a hell of a salute. Um, because as we all know, Stan Lee is normally in every Marvel film. And... I did not see a cameo in this one. Um, So maybe I missed it. But that was a great way to pay homage to that guy and to let him do his thing and to usher in the beginning and or dawn of a new era without him. Um, There's not really much to spoil on it. It's a great watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you, you know what's going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know That's what's gonna it. happen. Cool. When was the last yeah. time you actually what year what decade <laughs> was it? The, the last time you went to a theater and saw a film? When was the last time you, that happened? Okay. So I'm recollecting now. And I'm going to say with you to see Winter Soldier, probably. Okay. We went to see a movie? Yeah, we yeah. did, didn't we? Yeah. Okay. So that would have been. Okay. I remember. I do remember going to see that. Okay. So, the first cap was that the first Captain America. It was either the first or the second one, but it was definitely a Captain America. Okay, so that's been five plus years. Hundred thousand percent. Okay, and remember that was because with me, right? Right. Outside of that, okay, I'd already seen it. You know how I get down. (laughs) Yeah, so what do you think it would take you to go and see a movie in the theater now? Um, they would have to sell drugs at the theater. That would be the only <laughs> way to get me in there. I'm just saying, yo. Like you wouldn't take you wouldn't take a date to the movies. Nah, and I'm gonna tell you why. Because if you're taking a date to the movies, you're obviously not there for yourself. You're there for whatever the fuck you think the date might want to see. Because it's all about the date. And if you go on a date, I want to believe you're trying to fuck something, yo. Because if not, then why are you going on a fucking date? Now, so if you're going to do that, it doesn't even matter what you're watching. Only thing you're trying to do is watch movies that will help and assist you with the fucking. Like, if there's no there's no way I'm going to take a, a chick to go see... A real manly, manly, gun, pow, pow, blah, blah movie. Unless she's into that shit and she wants to fuck after that shit. If not, we're not going to see that shit. Look, I watched that on my own time. Look, they got a ton of fucking chick flicks out there where she's going to get all soft and moist in her motherfucking, uh, you know, um, uh, close to the vagina, goddamn linens. And, and, and that's what it's all about. It's not about doing anything else other than doing that you you don't even I care feel, what you do. i'm just saying i feel like i feel like you undoing your message of female empowerment from captain America. there's a thousand percent chance that that's happening but <laughs> <laughs> this is the question <laughs> hey look i'm pro female empowerment be strong grab the cock be strong do that I'm just look. Bras want to smash just as much as dudes do. I'm just saying. So okay, I just 
Yeah, yeah. I, I know. Mean, yeah, I'm I not helping the message, it. but still. But here, this is where we took. This is where we took the the goddamn road. So here we are. So um, here we are. Yeah, you know. In a dating right. scenario, there's that. It's not about I, I, me and what I want to see. Okay, I think the last movie I went to see in a the theater, it was a date situation. And it was kind of a bummer. It was Spotlight, the movie about the Catholic, <laughs> <laughs> the Catholic abuse. That was a real bummer of a movie. Yeah, you no, can't no, go no, see that. No smash, no smash, no smash after that. This that like, puts the wrong. That sets the wrong tone. Yeah, like but, why I mean, would you do that? Well, I mean, it wasn't like a first date. It was someone that I had been seeing, and it wasn't so. It wasn't like imperative. You, you dig? Like. I mean, I, I hear you, we, but you don't want to. I don't. Yeah, for me, I don't feel like there's any other reason for me, as me, as who it is I am, Nikki Faders, right. to be around a female alone if I'm not trying to smash. And and well, if that's the case then everything has to be geared towards that. Like, we got to watch a movie where they smashing in it and you're not going to be mad to give it to me after the movie. We got to, like, I'm thinking about all this, yo. I'm just saying. All right. Well. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm paying for the VJJ regardless. I just have to make sure I can cash in my chips at the end of the night. Oh, man. I know, I know. That's, You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, that took a turn. All right, it did. Hey, one hundred thousand. Hey, five. Yeah, five thousand watts. Michael, five thousand watts to bring it back to switch house. That's it. Chop, not slap. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. I don't know. I don't even have a reference in terms of. Who's going to be in this episode? And, and as far as the mind map segment, um, I'm sure it's going to be great, though. Um, and I don't know; it might have already been played. I don't know where I'm going to chop this joint up at, but it might be in here somewhere. And if you liked it, you know what to do: like subscribe, share, tell people about it. You dig? Indeed. Yeah. All right. Let's see. Can can we? Oh. Uh, do we need to go somewhere else? Are we going to leave on the note that we left on? I think we can leave it there. Let that marinate on that. <laughs> yeah, let that happen. Shit. <laughs> what was that? Um, um. What was that? Um. Was it an Usher song? Don't bring your girl around me. True player for real. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Just say, yo. Situations, and if anyone knows me, they know. Yeah, they know. Yeah, they know. They know. They know. And and are you saying exactly what's like? Yeah, you just you quoting song lyrics, huh? It just sounds different <laughs> when you just. Yeah, you quoting song lyrics. It just yeah. sounds different when you just say it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, because what you think? Buy me a drink. Is uh, I, I, I'm gonna buy you a drink, then I'm gonna take you home with me. <laughs> right, right, right. I I mean, within four bars, he's in the bed like. <laughs> Ooh. That's it. And he ain't wasting uh, no time. Four bars, no time. Four bars, and to buy you a drink. I'm taking you home with me. I got money in the bank. That's it. Yeah. And then we in the bed like, ooh. <laughs> ooh. <laughs> ooh. That is it, yo. All right. So thanks for checking out another episode. Slanks with Radio G Forte. Thank you, Faders. Yep. Well, be that cool. Be that cool one. Be the cool one to tell other people about it. Be first. You dig? Tell, tell you, tell your friends. Oh, That's right. Oh,
What's your name? Let me talk to you. Let me buy you a drink. And I'm T-Pain. You know me. Convict music. Let me blow it. I know the club. Close at three. What's the chance of you rolling with me? Back to the crib. Show you how I live. Let's get drunk and forget what we did. Buy you a drink. I'ma take you home with me, money and fame. Oh, I'll be in the grave, I'll be in the grave.